Games podcast for July 17, 2013. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Guild Wars. What, the original? Uh, Very good. Uh, See, you caught me, McMaster. You caught yeah. me. I was hoping to slip a fat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, my name is uh, Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not that horrible Watchmen game for the Xbox. Oh, man, that thing is bad. (laughs) This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Tropico 4. So, McMaster, that Watchmen game, uh, wasn't that just like, first of all, ha-ha, both of you have played it. I I knew better. Isn't it just like a fighting, punching, kicking game? Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, that off of uh, Rorschach and, um, you know, the uh, what's-his-name? I know. Owl dude. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just like the, I don't know. It's just like that movie. It, it really had this horrible action in it that didn't make any sense in The Watchmen. Like, I mean, there are parts where there's action, but uh, Night Owl and the Silk Spectre were never ninjas at any point. <laughs> and that just always did not sit well with me. Also, my dad, Ozymandias, kind of looked like David Spade, and that really didn't sit well with me. He's the smartest man in the world. With superhuman reflexes. And he looks like David Spade. The awesome thing about comic book nerds is that if you give them enough rope, they're going to out themselves. They are totally going to out themselves. McMaster? I'm a Watchmen fan from way back. I mean, you know, when you say comic books, I mean, that's fine. I like comic books. I'm just not like a a superhero guy for the most part. Oh, sure you're not, yeah. By the way, McMaster, who would win in a fight between Silk Spectre and Scarlet Witch? I don't care. Hey, very good. All right, you did pass the test. Nicely done. <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping to get him there. That that McMaster is pretty crafty. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if he, you'd have to pick better characters than that. I mean, come on. All right. Uh, I suppose you're going to be one of those people who's like, I didn't like Malin Ackerman in the Watchmen movie. Is that is that what you sound like also when you talk about the Watchmen movie? Who? Who was that? <laughs> Please, don't pretend. Also, McMaster, are you upset that there was no giant killer uh, city-devouring squid at the end of that the one, That one I really don't care as much about. I mean, because, I don't know, it. I would have been happy to see it because it's so absolutely ridiculous. But, um, you know, I think uh, the nukes or whatever are pretty nice substitute for it, actually. So, Nick, my, I think what's going on here is that it's all an act. Is that McMaster really is one of those like Watchmen fans who's upset about that stuff? But the moment that I, yeah, but the moment I called him out and teased him, he decided to put on an act and no, kind of play I mean, it cool. No, I mean that movie is a total mixed bag. It's uh, Rorschach's really good. Uh, you know, the comedian's excellent. Uh-huh. Uh, that dude that's in Supernatural or whatever. I can't remember his name. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Is that it? He's also in a movie about. Um, no, shut up, no, not. A, I'm a. I'm a movie nerd. I'll freely cop to that. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in a movie called, I think it was called Possession, about uh, his his daughter finds a magical box at a garage sale, and the box has inside of it a dibbuk, which is a Jewish 
It's a Jewish demon. So what he has to do is, uh, you know, in The Exorcist, they get Max von Sydow, this very regal uh, exorcist Catholic guy wearing a top hat. Um, so in possession, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has to track down a rabbi, complete with those little curly Q things and the yarmulke. <laughs> so it's like Jewish exorcist. Um, that would be, uh, I need to see that. That sounds pretty sweet. Actually, no, you do not. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, it really doesn't sound I will sweet. swear you that. Um, <laughs> but, but Matthew, you're hitting all, for the Watchmen thing, you're hitting all the reasonable talking points, but I think you're just reciting them. I'm not sure you believe them. Oh, no, no, really. Like said, I think you seethe that Zack Snyder wasn't closer to the Neil Gaiman source material. <laughs> you tried to bait me. That was a, that was a nice oh, one too. Ah, that that so almost got close. me because that's a that's a harsh one. That one master, almost, you're good. Damn, you're good. Huh? My, that, my gag reflex caught that one. Actually, that's that's how bad it was. All right, I'll, I'll try to trick you later. You well played, McMaster. You've won this round, my friend. Uh, all right, gentlemen, uh, I'm so glad to have you back. I've, I've missed both of you. Last week we had uh, me and Bruce Garrick and Eric Lee Smith from Shenandoah Studios talking about very serious wargamey stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't, none of those guys was going to talk about Watchmen with me. So right off the bat, I'm, I'm so glad. I, I enjoyed that last week, but I'm so glad to be back here with a couple of nerds like you guys. Um, let's talk. News of the week. Let's get some boring stuff out of the way. Actually, I say boring, but you know, I I think our our criteria for news of the week is that it isn't boring. You know, we're not just going to tell you stuff that happened because it happened. We're going to tell you about stuff because we care about it. So we've all got our news of the week this week. Jason W. McMaster, why don't you tell us a bit about what's your news of the week? Why would I do that? Because uh, it is incumbent upon you. How's that? Oh, yes. All right, fine. EHQ is dead. <laughs> news of this week? No, not news of four months ago, McMaster. News no, no, it's official now. Oh, what happened? No, it's just gone through. Liquidation plans are approved. Everything has gone through, and uh, EHQ is no more. So it's like when a, when a couple gets divorced, you know, they say, oh, we're going to get divorced. And they say that for months and months on end or however long it takes. And it's only when the paperwork gets signed, there's some right. point it's official and the divorce actually happens. And then when they say we're divorced, they really mean it. It's like that now with THQ being dead. Yes. Yeah, right. it's officially over. It's like all the paperwork has been signed. Everything's been filed. And now just Sega gets to sue the hell out of a dead en- entity. Uh, and how does that make you feel, McMaster? THQ being officially gone. That's kind of a bummer. I liked him as a, you know, a lot of the stuff that came out of there. However, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, all their games that I cared about are coming out. <laughs> that's, you know, that's exactly how I feel, McMaster. When you say THQ is dead, it's kind of like I have to be reminded of that because, you know, I just spent several weeks, a couple of weeks, playing Company of Heroes 2. I'm looking at these press releases for Saints Row 4, which comes out yeah. next month. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, THQ being dead kind of doesn't mean anything in, in terms of my day-to-day gameplay and what I'm looking forward to. And um, so, you know, I'm sad about that on the business angle, but from my perspective, I'm like you, McMaster. Eh, whatever. Yeah, Nick, I mean, how does that make you feel? THQ being officially gone, the paperwork is signed. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the same spot. I, uh, you know, all the games that I cared about with THQ are are actually coming out, uh, and they 
you know, they found homes at other studios and the developers seem to be doing okay. So, I mean, I guess I feel bad <laughs> that, you know, people at THQ lost their jobs, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I, the worst I think is the, uh, that pizza place, I guess, that was down the road from them that they kind of stiffed them for like a couple thousand dollars worth of a pizza bill. <laughs> like literally. Oh, that sucks. Like it, that was one of the documents in their bankruptcy filing. Like they yeah. they owed a couple thousand bucks to this pizza place. <laughs> I get uh, delicious pizza pie. There's a there's a company in in Texas called uh, uh, TimeGate. They did the Koan games and they did uh, Section Eight. And uh, I did a little consulting gig with them where I looked at one of their uh, their games after Section Eight and wrote up an evaluation of it and they paid me for it. So technically, I was an employee. Not an employee, but I was a contractor for TimeGate. So now that they've gone bankrupt, for whatever reason, I'm getting all these papers sent to me. And at oh, first, I got all this legal paperwork, and I'm like, what? What did I do this time? And I opened it, and I was like, oh, it's just because they at one point paid me for this one job many years ago. I'm now on this list. So I'm able to look at a list of all their creditors, and that also, Nick, stood out for me, is there's like some Mexican restaurant down there oh. in Texas that is, for whatever reason, it's one of their creditors. They're owed a certain amount of money. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of feel bad for those mom-and-pop shops where, they're, where they spent a lot of their lunches <laughs> and they got stiffed. Because, yeah. you know, uh, at the time, I'm sure it's a great deal, right? Oh, it's the, the good guys down the road that do right. the computer games. Oh, yeah. nice young nerds, right? And they're going to come in and eat a lot of pizzas and order a lot of uh, submarine sandwiches. and terrific. The <laughs> Oops, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, so uh, another THQ-related thing is I just got a list of – I kind of hate reading this stuff. They put out trailers, and I don't want to know any of it. I learned my lesson with Saints Row 3 is the less I know, the better, because they have crazy over-the-top set pieces that they spoil in the trailers. So as I'm getting press releases about Saints Row 4, I tend to just sort of read over them quickly, and if I see anything – that seems to relate to what might be a spoiler, I quickly close it. But one of the things they sent out was a list of the, the voice actors. Uh, and so I was looking over the cast, <laughs> thinking, okay, I want to make sure that some of my favorite characters are here. And I was like, oh, who is that awesome, nerdy hacker chick from Saints Row 3? Because I don't see a name that I remember as being her. So wait a minute, why isn't she in the game? And the problem was I just couldn't remember her name. So does either of you guys know who I'm talking about and what her name is? Uh, Kinsey, right? Whoa! Nick Diamond, well played. Because yeah. Kinsey, to me, when I just see it, I'm like, oh, that's some dude, whatever. But yeah, Kenzie Kensington. Uh, and for, for, a, for a brief moment of terror, I thought, she's not in the game, because I didn't remember that was her name. Uh, guess who Keith David plays in Saints Row 4? Himself. How did you know that, McMaster? Because I went and registered for my Saints Row ID card. And, you, uh, you need ID to play that? Wait, what? <laughs> Back up. Yeah. There's an ID card? <laughs> right, and you get to put your picture on it, and it gives you an official, like, uh, I don't know, whatever city um, ID card. And then it gives you a safe word. In case, <laughs> in case you... And now, that scares me a touch, uh, but, like... Uh, then, um, but, 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 but my safe word is, uh, is Keith David. Nice. So, uh, well, you know, that's a gag from the first game. There's one point where Kinsey says her safe word is teacup. I believe it was teacup. Uh, 
But I think that was one of the little just gag. There's like a throwaway line she has at some point. My safe word is teacup. <laughs> so yours is Keith David. Good to know, McMaster. Uh, yes. If at any point, if at any point during this podcast you feel uncomfortable, just say Keith David. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So uh, THQ, goodbye. Uh, we we're we will miss you. We're glad that many of your games survive. Oh, also speaking of THQ properties, uh, the DLC, the first bit of DLC for um, Metro Last Light, just came out today. The faction pack. So once again, THQ is dead, and I hardly noticed. Um, all right. So uh, Nick, do you at least have some upbeat news for us? Well, I, I have upbeat news if you're a Ubisoft shareholder. Uh, okay, it sounds like Nick is going to talk about boring financial stuff. I'm going to take a nap. Nope, it's not boring financial stuff. I promise. Okay. I promise. Hit us with it. What is it? I am okay. not a shareholder. In the interest of full disclosure, I don't own any shares of, of Ubisoft stock. McMaster, do you? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I bet you, I, di- I, you did you divest yourself of all your Ubisoft stock? No. I've just been to some of their presser or like pressers at E3, and I didn't know if they gave any out at those, so I just could, I had to think for a minute. I said, everybody in the audience, you get ten shares of Ubisoft stocks. So. We, yeah, I mean, they, I'm not that lucky. I'm the dude that didn't go to that. Well, you too, actually, that didn't go to that stupid Microsoft conference where they gave everybody a damn Xbox. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get. We don't get free stuff these days. Often, so, no. So, Nick, let's pretend that I am an Ubisoft shareholder. What do you have to tell me that would make my day? Okay, so uh, Tony Key uh, said, uh, and he is the vice president of sales and marketing for Ubisoft, uh, gave an interview, and he said that, look, here at Ubisoft, we make blockbusters, and we won't even start a game franchise if we don't think... We can make multiple titles out of it. Now, two questions. To whom was he speaking? Uh, he was speaking to uh, A-List Daily. What is that? Speaking <laughs> to his mother while he was talking. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're actually a sub-site under Games Industry International. Okay, so he was speaking to basically a business audience? Like, is that a fair... It, this wasn't something that was said to fans or to a, to the gaming press proper, or maybe it was? Uh, well, yeah, they're a little more business-focused, but, you know, it's one of those things, he said it, and then it wound up on uh, a business blog, and then next thing you know, you know, <laughs> right. it wound up in, in every, you know, gaming site ever. Right. Uh, it the thing is, I wonder, too, like, I remember we called out um, the Microsoft put out a memo saying, hey, Connect is great for all your business needs. And I, I kind of felt bad because that was just a little tiny memo. It was something that some dude, like an intern, uh, yeah, I saw that. I, that, that he wrote on, uh, like, the business blog. It was just some little thing that was aimed, you know, it's just a minor part of their message. And it was yeah. aimed very specifically at business owners. And he got called out for it, and it got passed around and laughed at. And we were part of that, and it is funny. I mean, to be fair, it is funny. But it's not a big part of Microsoft's message. Like, when you hear that sort of thing from a publisher, I think it's important to keep in mind how much of their message is this, to whom are they speaking, who is doing the speaking. Um, So that Microsoft thing was funny, but I don't think it's really an angle that they're pushing super hard. Um, No. But this, however, 
let's hear more about it, Nick. So what, what does this mean? Uh, so, so basically the idea is unless it's something that we believe can be heavily sequelized, we're not interested. Is that sort of the gist of the comment? That, that was exactly it. And his example uh, in this particular interview was uh, Watch Dogs. He was talking about Watch Dogs. He was talking about Assassin's Creed. And he specifically said, you know, look, uh, Watch Dogs was something we started that, you know, we're looking at. You know, there's going to be more. There's going to be more Watch Dogs. There's going to be spinoff games in the Watch Dogs universe or whatever. Um, same thing with Assassin's Creed. And he, he was very open about it. And uh, it's one of those things, yeah, if you're a shareholder, that's exactly what you want to hear, right? You don't want to hear that, y- you know, your giant AAA blockbuster publisher is going to take a whole bunch of crazy risks and, you know, publish a bunch of indie games. <laughs> right. Yeah, I or heard they were going to release, uh, release Apollo Creed. I don't get that. I, li- I like I like that reference, but I'm not sure I understand it. <laughs> As an Assassin's Creed spinoff, we're gonna have Apollo's. <laughs> oh, very nice, McMaster. That'd Great. be an awesome boxing game. <laughs> free, like a free roaming countryside. It would have to be set in like Italy in the 1600s, though. <laughs> you just run up and just box people. Yes. And to be fair, McMaster, that is part of a pre-existing franchise. You know, Rocky. I mean, that's a franchise thing. So you're just oh, making yeah. you're making Ubisoft's point. Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. When I hear that, I don't necessarily mind hearing it, um, partly because that's just the nature of big entertainment these days. It's the case with movies. You know, Pacific Rim just opened this past weekend. Uh, it's a nerd paradise. Uh, however, it's not part of a franchise. You know, Guillermo del Toro, of course, has ideas for sequels he can do, but it only made something like like thirty million, uh, thirty eight million, I think, which was no great shakes. It got beaten. It got beaten by Grown Ups Two and Despicable Me Two, and that's all you need to look at. And I'm the same way. Like I didn't care for any of those three movies. I, I didn't care for either of those two sequels. I didn't even see them, but I know I, I didn't like them. Um, Pacific Rim was fine, but that right there is a business reality. Yeah. Is that you release your first game to establish the franchise, you make your money with the second and the third game, and you really make your money with whatever you can spin off, you know, selling the rights or uh, whatever. Like, it's all about setting up franchise and franchises and cashing in on them if you're a big commercial enterprise like a movie studio or one of the big game publishers. Now, where they can uh, get around that. Uh, I think of, for instance, uh, Fox has uh, a sort of a label called Fox Searchlight. Uh, Sony has um, Focus Pictures, I think. Right. Is you can have a label for your smaller independents. And I believe EA is pretty good about that. I don't know if Ubisoft or Activision has anything like that. Uh, but the idea is that you, you do these franchises, and every now and then if you want to do a smaller project you just put it under a different title you sort of insulate it create a little a little identity firewall for it uh so that the shareholders don't think oh you're doing these small risky things um so i I can see that model working for uh video game publishers much like they do the movie studios um and and the bottom line is i don't really mind him saying this it doesn't bother me uh okay mcmaster how do you feel about that want to vomit (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, uh, Assassin's Creed games have only gotten better. So. Yeah, you know what? And that's a good point. Unlike a lot of, it, that's weird in that movies. 
and this is a generalization, they tend to get worse as you do the sequels. But games, it it is the opposite, isn't it? When you tell us that games are all going to be franchises, that's kind of good news for us, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as long as you like the game initially, I mean... And even sometimes... Well, even sometimes if you don't. For instance, McMaster, I'm thinking of the Mass Effect series. Uh, I didn't care for the first one. I really didn't like the, the second one. But I feel like in the third one, just from a gameplay perspective, never mind the story, but in the third one, they, they really got good. a really... Yeah, they got a solid sense of how to make a, a good game out of this. Um, you know, one of my complaints about Last of Us is the, the gameplay. And I, I, I think... But I think that if I look backwards from Last of Us to Naughty Dog's Uncharted games, the gameplay was arguably even weaker in those. Um, so see, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think Uncharted had better gameplay, or Uncharted two, three did at least. Well, you know, I guess the point. I think the thing is that with Last of Us, they're they're trying to fold in new systems with the stealth and the survival things, and I like seeing that attempted. You know, and it's kind of a moot point anyway there because that's not technically a sequel to Uncharted. But but I guess the point is that as as you work your way down a franchise, as you're doing sequels, you're trying to do things new and better, and sometimes you're trying to do things differently. So that even if I didn't like. You know, even if I was just okay with Halo 1, 2, 3, you know, I really liked what they did with ODST, for instance. Um, so, I, to, to know that when you play a game, if you're not that crazy about it, that there's going to be a sequel coming, you get this sense of, you know, maybe I'll like the sequel better. Maybe they'll, they'll change some of the things and that they can do it better there. That's very true. Uh, Saints Row to Saints Row 2, for instance. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly, McMaster, yeah. and to Saints Row 3. Uh, but then, of course, sometimes you get, you know, Civilization Four to Civilization Five. Uh, you know, uh, isn't there, is there a mob outside of your house right now? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sometimes things do fall apart, but for the most part, uh, that tends to be good news for gamers uh, when things get heavily franchised and iterated on. Partly because also, I really feel like with things like Kickstarter and Steam Greenlight, uh, the indie scene is kind of thriving. You know, when I looked over my list of the my favorite games so far this year. There are only like three big studio games. Like I love the indie stuff that's coming out. Um, so I, you know, it's let the big publishers do their franchises and let everyone else come up with the new properties. Uh, I need I'm, to uh, try Daisy with me sometime if you want to. If you want to try a crazy indie game, I'm a little afraid of that one, McMaster. It's a little horrifying. Now is that and that is yeah. Now that's not the one I, I confused that with War Z. That's the good. That's the one that doesn't suck, right? Right. It's the actually really good one based off of Arma Two. Here's my problem with it: it's online and multiplayer only. I don't want jokers like you ganking me. Oh, well, that's a shame. Actually, I haven't been ganked by people. Honestly, I've been killed by zombies a lot. Is, <laughs> is, is Daisy Master will gank you though? Oh yeah, I, I mean I'll kill you, but. <laughs> But that, yeah, by the way, that's that's another example. Is that was uh, one of the employees at um, Ted Gummit, who who does is it Bohemia 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 Interactive, I believe. Yeah. Uh, one of the employees didn't he do that as a mod, kind of in his free time? No, I think that was a modder that they ended up hiring. Ah, okay, even better, right? Yeah, and, they hired and, him to do like a. They're releasing a paid like a purchase version eventually. Right. That he's working on, but yeah, I've been, I, I tried out the mod. It's it's pretty intense. McMaster, if you don't mind, I'm going to wait until it's finished. Oh my! So I'll I'll let you gank me in the retail release. How's that? All right, fine. Okay, good. 
Uh, all right, so that's uh, Nick's news of the week. Not necessarily bad news, but there it is. It's a business reality. Uh, Ubisoft uh, fessed up. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you could dig around and find EA saying pretty, saying pretty much the same thing. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I would... I would. And, and again, this is one of those things, you know, I, I'm sure all the big AAA, you know, blockbuster-heavy publishers... Yeah, that, that's absolutely their strategy. <laughs> all right, so uh, thanks for being honest with us, Ubisoft. We appreciate that. Uh, all right, my news of the week. Are you guys ready to vote? Because there is uh, an election coming up. It's upon us very shortly. I think in another week the, the voting begins. It'll be, I believe, a two-week voting period. Uh, in Guild Wars 2... Uh, the, oh, yeah. recent, the recent commitment to new content every two weeks. Uh, the content coming out in a week is called uh, Cutthroat Politics. And what it does, this has been set up, there are two characters in the game who, over the last few bits of, uh, of it's not downloadable content because they just fold it into the game, uh, but over the, they call it living world content, I believe. Uh, and over the last several rounds of living world content, you've met a couple of characters. One of them is a Char, and Char, if you don't play Guild Wars, or, or they're like these big cat kind of dudes. One of them is a Char named uh, Evan Nashblade, and he's in charge of the Black Lion Trading Company, uh, and that's the name of the online store where you buy gems, where you can do microtransactions if you want. Guild Wars is very good about not really pushing you towards that. But Evan Nashblade, I guess he's like the CEO of the Black Lion Trading Company. Uh, and then there's Ellen Kyle, who was in charge of an investigation into a murder in the main city, and that was one of their little story arcs. So these two characters now are vying for the position of a murdered council member. And what Guild Wars is doing, and they've even set this up for a while, when you went into the Bazaar of the Four Winds, which is the last round, it's currently ongoing, of living world content, both uh, Evan Nashblade and Ellen Kyle are up there on this cool airship that is docked to do trade with the area, and they're both talking about, well, I don't know, I wonder if maybe I could be in charge. Like when you do, one of the achievements is to talk to everyone, and when you talk to them, that's the basic soundbite you get. That's their little dialogue. Uh, so now we get to decide which one of them is going to fill that vacated seat. And the way we decide is that as we're playing over the course of the, the two weeks of this Living World content, which begins next week, it looks like one of the things that you'll pick up, one of the drops, as they're called, are support tokens. And as you accumulate support tokens, you can cash them in with either Evan Nashblade or Ellen Kyle. So as you play, you can basically put your progress towards one character or the other. Uh, furthermore, and McMaster, if, ne if this doesn't get you back into Guild Wars 2, nothing will. Furthermore, one of the new features in Cutthroat Politics is called Candidate Trials. And when you start a candidate trial... Uh, it looks like this is basically a horde mode where you're trying to stay alive as long as you can against these uh, steampunk pirates that they introduced recently. And what you do as you stay alive, you're, of course, getting loot, experience, all of that fun stuff. But you're also dedicating your match to one of the two candidates. So you can either just play normally and, and, and commit your support tokens to one candidate, or you can do these candidate trials, which seem to be like horde modes, and choose which candidate you're playing for. So, McMaster, a horde mode kind of thing, coming to Guild Wars 2, seems like it would be right up your alley. I could use your support. Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> I, did read, I did read about the election, though, and uh, I think uh, I think I would vote for the one that makes warp gates cheaper or whatever, warping to uh, the uh, different areas. Yep. So here's what happens once the uh, the that period is over and the the tallies are counted and one candidate or the other wins. They they each have uh, a list of three promises they've made. Uh, one of which I don't understand because it looks like they're both promising the same thing by adding these new mini-games. But, but furthermore, uh, Evan Nashblade, I think, well, yeah, he will give you cheaper keys to what are called these Black Lion chests. And if you're like me and you've been playing, you've got plenty of these stored up, you have to buy, you can occasionally find them, the keys to open them. And inside, it's mainly just cosmetic stuff, uh, little doodads like dyes, uh, temporary boosts to things like magic item find or experience points uh nothing crucial uh and i don't think you ever get any real equipment but you can uh buy the keys to these things and i've got in my uh character storage space i've got something like 40 of these chests so if evan nashblade wins the keys to these chests will be cheaper if ellen kyle wins the instant transport you know to just teleport to waypoints around the map as mcmaster mentioned there's a small cost for these. It's pretty much a token fee, but it is a minor money sink. Uh, if Ellen Kyle wins, those will be cheaper. And it's just for a period of a couple of weeks. It's not permanent. Uh, furthermore, each character, it looks like, I'm, I'm trying to sort of read between the lines for what it means, because one of the things that Guild Wars does when they announce this stuff, that ArenaNet does when they announce this stuff, is there's a little bit of role-playing going on. So you kind of have to read between the lines to figure out exactly what they're getting at. But each of them promises to, it looks like, open up a new mini-dungeon in a dungeon mode called Fractals, where you go in and you have to play a random, it's sort of like shuffling. I think there's maybe a dozen different dungeons in there, and you have to randomly play through four of them. So each of the candidates, I believe, is promising a new mini-dungeon to fold into the fractals. So you can read their promises, and each I think all you know is the name. Uh, so they each have this weird dungeon name. Like, I think Ellen Kyle, it's something like the Thaumatological Reactor, or, or something like that. And uh, Evan Nashblade, he'll unlock, I don't even remember the name of that one. Uh, Thunderdome. That would be awesome. Oh, I know. You've just it. you've just swung my vote. <laughs> <laughs> two men enter, <laughs> and leaves. Speaking of two men entering and one man leaving, another thing they are adding in uh, the Cutthroat Politics add-on is a, uh, a player versus player mode called South Sun Survival. Now, South Sun is this exotic island that was unlocked, I think, in, in content back in November. Uh, the new mode that you can play PvP, South Sun Survival, I'm not really clear how it works, but the implication is that everybody enters this mode armed only with a bow. And as you're playing, you have to scavenge supplies, presumably to get maybe better weapons or to upgrade your abilities, I'm not sure, but it's a last man standing mode. Currently, I believe the only way you can play PvP stuff in Guild Wars is on teams. Uh, you know, that might be wrong. There might be a free-for-all mode. But this is str a straight-up last-man-standing where everybody starts with only a basic uh, bow, a basic attack, and they have to upgrade it over the course of playing the match. So, McMaster, that's kind of thunderdome wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's kind of thunderdome yeah. Am I winning you over? I mean, a little bit. Okay, well, how about this one, McMaster? One of the things, the current content is the Bazaar of the Four Winds, and the cornerstone of this new content uh, are called, they're called Aspects. 
And that's just a fancy way of saying when you're in this area, you can pick up power-ups, and they're called aspects, that give you a new way of moving around the map. The sun aspect lets you shoot forward like a sunbeam. The wind aspect shoots you up in the air higher than normal. And the lightning aspects let, let you uh, pick a point in the distance and instantly zap there, like on electricity or something. So these have been self-contained in the bazaar itself, where there's this cool platforming, jumping challenge stuff you can do. There's even a race mode where you can race against up to 12 other players using these unique movement modes. But one of the things they're doing in cutthroat politics is these these unique movement modes, these three aspects, are now being folded into an arena, a player-versus-player arena, called the Aspect Arena, where I presume we all fight each other, but in the course of doing so, we can also use the sunbeam movement, the lightning stuff, and the wind jumping. McMaster, will that get you on board? Maybe. All right. Well, uh, McMaster, if that's the case, I just want to say I've got way more uh, points than you as far as like <sighs> the achievement score. Here's another thing in Guild Wars 2 that's new. You can go to your achievement uh, panel, your little display. You can call it up. And at the very top, there is a row of really lovely chests that you want to open. They're very ornate. The promise of cool mm. stuff inside. You can't look at that chest and think, I want to open that. There's stuff in there that I want. And underneath each chest, there's a score. So if I open up my panel right now, I see that my achievement score is something like 1,766. And at the very top, there's, it's almost like a timeline. On the far left is a chest with the number 2,000 underneath it. And as you work your way across the screen, there's an even more gorgeous chest with the number 2,500. And to the right oh. of that, on the other side of the screen, there's an absolutely amazing, beautiful chest with the number 3,000. So when I play Guild Wars 2 and I open my achievement panel to see what I need to do for my dailies or whatever, I see that beautiful chest with the number 2,000, and I see how close my score is to 2,000 to unlocking that chest. Uh, and there is awesome stuff in those chests. So, McMaster, you need to get in there and work on your Guild Wars 2 achievement score. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, Nick, you've been faffing around with uh, Guild Wars 2 a bit lately. Is that is that your game? Oh, yes. Oh, I yes. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to out anybody's game of the week, but uh, Nick, is, that's something you've been playing a bit lately, right? Uh, it is something I've been playing quite a bit of. Yeah, yeah. Is it your game of the week? Uh, y yeah, it is actually my game of the week. So I don't know if this is uh, jumping into it too early, but uh, you know what, Nick? Sometimes jumping into something too early is called a segue. Let's do nice. it. Nice. <laughs> Let's do it. Hold on, loosely. So, <laughs> my game of the week is Guild Wars Two. Ugh. <laughs> All right, so have you been doing what? What have you been doing in Guild Wars Two? When you Nick Diamond booting up Guild Wars Two, what do you do with your time? Uh, so I jumped into the uh, the uh, the you've got in that. Uh, so wait, you you cut out on me a little bit. You jumped into the what? Say again. The aspect races that they've got. Yep. Uh, going in that. Uh, and Nick, hold on, hold on. Let's get the name right. They're called. Sanctum Sprints. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> oh, Tom. <laughs> Just as Jason, McMa Jason W. McMaster is a Watchmen nerd, I like to think of myself sometimes as a Guild Wars 2 nerd. Oh, jeez. No, yeah, you, you are. are. <laughs> I mean, there's no, like, think of, oh, um, it might be true. No, it's I mean, true. listen to you. You know all the lore and everything. 
Yeah, that's Seriously, pretty sad. Well, here's the deal. There's a race of people called the Zephyrites, oh. and they, they live on this huge airship that, that sails around the world of – actually, what is the world of guild? Tyria, whatever it's called. They sail around, and every now and then they dock this airship someplace. Oh, and this do. airship, because they're Zephyrites, they, it's almost like Bioshock. Like Andrew Ryan retreated from the world, and he made an underworld city to pursue his own values. The Zephyrites retreated from the world in the other direction. They went up into the cloud with this big airship to pursue their own values. And these values are based on these aspects. So they, their airship is called the Zephyr Sanctum. Oh. So that's why these Sanctum Sprints are races through an area up a spire. And it, uh, yeah, so there you go. So anyway, Nick, sorry. I didn't want anyone like to laugh at you for getting the name wrong. Yeah, no, wouldn't want that. <laughs> I don't think anyone may have noticed, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> All right, Nick, so tell us about your time with Sanctum Sprints, now that, now that you know how to properly refer to them. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, I guess in the, uh, what is it, the Bazaar of the Four Winds, right? Very good, you got that right. Uh, is the this Living World update, this one that's kind of live right now. Um, I, I really enjoyed, because uh, I, I started the last one, that Dragon Bash one, uh-huh. right? And I just could not get into it like everything was just spread out all over the place you had to go over here you had to go over there and i i when i play guild wars 2 i I get very add about everything and i just i lose track of what i'm supposed to be doing and i wind up doing other things along the way because (laughs) you know guild wars 2 is constantly you know as as you wander around it's just pushing more stuff at you like hey there's some quests over here hey go go fight this dude hey by the way here's a here's your daily why don't you go do this you're so close you know it's so almost all Nick, it's, it's almost as if guild wars 2 is terrified that you'll be bored yeah <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I was getting very confused i would lose track of what i was doing in the dragon bash it was all right you know wasn't my thing uh the bizarre of the four winds though i really like because everything is in that you know, very vertical, concentrated kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the rest of the game you can get, I guess they're the weird little bag drops. I don't even... Go ahead, Tom. What are they called? They are called, oh, I want to say kite drops, but they're basically kites. The idea is that when the Zephyr Sanctum <laughs> arrived, uh, the wind blew off all of these kites carrying supplies. And, and yeah. the script to the script of the little rat creatures uh, tend to, I, I don't know if they've found them or chased after them, uh, but they're big, huge kite things that are basically, there's seven of them. They're big supply drops that you can find around specific parts of the world. Each one is, is an achievement. But then there are smaller kite drops that the script didn't necessarily find that you can loot them, and they show up on the map um, and most of them basically have these quartz crystals which are a unique resource Flavor for- crystals. No, they're, not, they're not McMaster. You say they're flavor crystals, but they're actually an important resource for this delicious flavor crystals. No, McMaster, don't eat them. Don't, McMaster, get that out of your mouth. Do not put you that know, in your mouth, McMaster. Hey, Nick, we didn't need you that. Say, we you need say that you did for, the bash. We need that for crafting, uh, McMaster. I, I did. Yeah, the <laughs> bash, the dragon that's, bash. Yeah, that's stuff you can eat, McMaster. You it can was put, a graveyard. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, McMaster, you can eat the stuff in Dragon Bash. That stuff was like Zytaffy. Um, you can eat oh, that. <laughs> Do not eat the quartz crystals because we need those for crafting. Okay, get it out of your mouth, McMaster. Quit putting it in your mouth. That's besides oh. that, that's dirty. Well, it is a little dirty. 
<laughs> All right, so Nick, you were saying, yeah, so I'm sorry. Uh, you did ask me a question. If you ask me a question about Guild Wars, I can't promise you that I won't talk for five minutes. I, I don't even know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying it's self-contained. That so it's be- all very self-contained. It's all in there. Um, I, you know, you've got, as you're running around, you know, these very vertical, uh, I, I don't. it's like this city uh, <laughs> that leads up to the big airship that Tom loves so much. Um, you know, there's little shops and little marketplaces and, and bars and whatnot. And as you're running by them, uh, cool things happen periodically, like just dynamically, you know, like a, a big drunk, you know, beast will come stumbling out of the, out of the bar and then just start a fight with everyone, which, uh, you know, is just awesome as you're, as you're running up trying to do things, uh, in this, you know, very tight little self-contained area. That beast has a name, you know, I bet I, Tom knows it. Well, what is it, Tom? Well, it actually depends. There, one, a lot of those beasts. <laughs> a lot of those beasts come from at the different stalls. There will be uh, people selling. There's like a shelf of weird artifacts, and most of them you click on them, and there's some cute little bit of lore. Sometimes you'll click on something, and the shopkeeper will say, "Oh, don't, please don't mess with that." And the dialogue will be, "Mess with it, don't mess with it." And so naturally, you pick mess with it. Uh, or she'll say, you know, please don't put those two halves of that mask together. Uh, and you have the option, do you put them together or not? Uh, generally, if you do, it will let loose what's called a champion, like a, a group, a monster that will have to be defeated, usually by a group. Um, so there, there are plenty of them. Uh, I don't know the specific names, I'm afraid. That, Okay. <laughs> McMaster wanted, he asked, I, I'm sorry, like I said, if you ask me a question about Guild Wars 2, I can't guarantee that I won't talk for a while. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but there's a lot of activity that you don't normally find in cities. Uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> So the the one uh, the the so the only thing I don't like in the uh, sanctum so far the bazaar of the four winds, uh, and I think you did like it, Tom. Is I really dislike the scavenger hunt uh, setup they have on some of it, where mm-hmm. you have to hop up scaffolding to get to the top of these areas. I am not a fan of that at all. <laughs> uh, so did you try much of it? Or I think one of the, I don't know about problems, but one of the challenges with it is in order to unlock these aspects, these new movement abilities, you pick up a crystal. Right. There's a different colored crystal for each of the three movement abilities. Once you pick up the crystal, you can only do that ability ten times. And you have a little counter above your, the, the, above your little hot bar for how many times left you have to do it. So, these crystals are strategically placed. If I see, uh, and there, there are 52 collectibles scattered around the Bazaar of the Four Winds, if you get 40 of them, you unlock a little treat. Um, it's an achievement. Ooh, a treat! <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strictly cosmetic thing. It's actually, it's kind of cute. It's a little model of the Sanctum Sprint Spire, the little spire that you run up for the race. Oh, um, it's not Zephyr Taffy? So that's Zytaffy. Zytaffy. And it's called Zytaffy because the main dragon, the overall villain in oh, Guild Wars 2, is Zyton, 
a dragon who raises the dead, and he's like the main villain. So Zytaffy is candy his hobby. based on this <laughs> dragon. Uh, so just, it's so the dragon job. just makes it. The dragon just makes it. Well, okay, so here's the thing. The dragon, the dragon attacked Lion's Arch, and it was very traumatic to the citizens. So of course dragon, it was. It was a dragon attack. Right, exactly. So Dragon Bash is a way to trivialize the trauma or, or to sort of cope with the trauma of the city being attacked by the dragon. So that's why all those little dragon pinatas are hung around. That's why you burn these little dragon effigies. That's why the dragons are reduced to little bits of candy. It would sort of be like if uh, I was going to draw a 9-11 parallel, but I think I'll back yeah, off. No, we, yeah, no, totally. I was going to go down that road. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It would sort of be like, if let's say here's a way to cope with 9-11, is you have a carnival booth with a little model of the Twin Towers, and you try to fly a paper airplane into it to this knock so them bad. over. It's ter- right, exactly, right. But this is a fantasy. You know, how people deal with their trauma in different ways. Who's to judge? You know, maybe that's what the people of Lion's Arch need. <laughs> is they need to bash dragon piñatas and eat dragon taffy. You know, if that's how they cope with the trauma, that's fine. I personally would not want to deal with 9-11 that way, but I don't, you know, I'm not a Norn or an Asura. What kind of taffy would you have? That would be... Human sadness taffy? Something like that, yeah. Let's let's back off of that analogy. I'm even sorry I brought that up. Let's rewind. <laughs> you're, you're good at that. 2001's not your year. Let's just let's avoid it altogether. <laughs> anyway, so Nick, you didn't like the platforming bits. There are 52 of these little collectibles. They're called Sky Crystals scattered around. You need to use the power-ups to find them, but every time you pick up a crystal, you can only use the power-up 10 times. So if you're repeatedly trying to make a jump, you've only got 10 chances at that jump. And what's worse, if you get to that jump and you still need to make one more jump, you might not have enough charges left to make that jump. So a lot of it is, oh, I tried too many times to make this jump. I've got to go back and get another crystal and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the one that really gets me is the – there's like three or four of them concentrated right together uh, at the top of this area. Yeah. Um, and they're just the ones where you just have to hop straight up using the air aspect. Uh, and, and you're literally hopping on the scaffolding to get to the very top of these towers to get the crystals, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> if it's what I'm thinking of, it's where the little uh, the little Quaggan uh, fire breather magician yeah. does his performance. Yep. Yeah, so you walk up there, and there's these windmills and scaffolds, like Nick said, and one of the cool things you can do in Guild Wars is you hold down, I think it's the control key by default, and it'll light up everything with this, within a certain range that you can interact with. And it's a great way to find collect, like gatherable stuff like herbs and ore and wood. Um, furthermore, when you hold that down at the Bazaar of the Four Winds, it'll light up any of those sky crystals within a certain area. So you walk up to this area where the Zephyr Sanctum is moored, and you hold down the control button, and if you look up, you will see four or five sky crystals like right up there above you uh and it's like oh it just takes a couple of jumps to get up there but it's on this really rickety scaffolding and you have to walk along these beams and i nick i ended up cheating and watching a video (laughs) (laughs) i know god it really was sad like here i was sitting here playing guild wars with my ipad open beside me playing some youtube video how to get the sky crystals and just following (laughs) along yeah, uh, God, I'm, sad. yeah. I know, I'm not proud, McMaster. I'm not saying I'm proud, 
Uh, well, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> not a proud man that time. <laughs> Professor, I may not be proud, but at least at least I have a Zephyr Sanctum model oh, I can use in Guild well, Wars 2. I mean, that's, that's true. Uh, you do have that. Yeah. Don't let them take your dignity. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, you didn't like that platforming bit, but it sounds like you were going to say there was something that you did enjoy. Oh, yeah. The the other stuff I liked. Uh, the other similar platforming stuff where, for example, you use the lightning power or the the sun power to get over and get the crystals, those were all fine. The The ones where you just have to hop straight up and land on those little bamboo poles... <laughs> To get to the top is just a freaking nightmare, and I think I've given up on that. Um, but the other thing I, I did like is, as you said, the Sanctum Sprints, um, which played, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be that way, but then when I started playing it, it, it was very Mario Kart-ish. So describe how, how so. What makes it Mario Kart-ish? D- well, describe how you, these work to us. Well, because you, you have, you know, y- you've got a certain... A uh, group of platforms you have to get through, kind of a gauntlet. Uh, you have a bunch of Guild War players all doing it at the same time, and there's a time limit, and you're you're just basically racing up to the top, mm-hmm. um, and you're just you know messing each other over while you do it. <laughs> and there are there are forks in the road. Is it a few times you can take different paths? And there's this whole yeah, idea kind of, of skier kind of shortcuts if you think that's what it's going to do. Exactly. And a lot of the shortcuts require more finesse, like the sort of skill-based shortcuts. If you think you're good enough to you know, run along a narrow bamboo pole, you'll maybe get in front of the other people. It's that kind of thing. And that's very Mario Kart-y, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially the you know, messing each other up, because you can you know, bump each other off and screw with everybody. <laughs> so part of the problem, uh, not problem, but one of the things is if you don't read the tooltips... Uh, you might not realize when you're trying to make a jump, sometimes you'll just instantly fail. And you'll be like, what? Did the did the did I lag out? Was it a glitch? Uh, there's a power, I think it's a lightning power, that when you fire it off, anybody who's in the air, and I think it's within a certain radius of you, I don't think it's around the whole map, but anybody who's in the air will instantly fall. So what you do is you save that until you get to a jump, and the guy in front of you, when he makes the jump, whether he's using the lightning power or the wind jump, you just pop off that power up, and he plummets straight down. And there have been times where I, you know, it's people behind me doing that crap, and I had no idea that one of the power-ups did that. Um, very frustrating, like Mario Kart, when somebody hits you with a red turtle shell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, one of the things I really liked about the Sanctum Sprint is... Uh, and I'm not good by any means, but it seems like a lot of people trying those are awful. I almost never had a problem <laughs> coming in the top 50%. That's that's my favorite, too. I always <laughs> love I, I love winning games when people are awful. That's like yeah. my favorite feeling in the world. Because we've all been on the other side of that. Oh, we, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's so like me and Tom were actually kind of good at Max Payne three. I mean, I was much better. Right. But uh, hey. but it, it it was a it was a good uh, it, it was a good time just whooping up on noobs all the time. So, McMaster, you you got another week to get in there for Sanctum Sprinting against people who are awful. Uh, and one of the good things too that I really appreciated about Sanctum Sprint, uh, the rewards when you get to the top are really pretty good. Like I've got some nice equipment up there. Uh, if you, as soon as you cross the finish line, there's a chest there that you can open, and I think there's the chest is there. It might only be there for the top six players. I'm not sure, but the I believe the quality of the reward is based on your placement at the race. Right. 
So I've gotten some really nice stuff in that, that chest. Uh, I've been very surprised. One of the things I found, by the way, is a cosmetic. It looks like a kind of a, one of those dream catcher things, those things that Native Americans weave that you hang in your window or whatever, that sits on a rack on your on your back that you wear like a backpack and it and it's a dream catcher and it's color coded based on whether it's wind lightning uh, or sun so I found giggles there's one for giggles too don't (laughs) giggles is not an aspect McMaster sure it is no the three Zephyrite aspects are wind sun and lightning hello earth wind and fire McMaster do you want me to explain each of those three to you because I can oh no (laughs) actually kind of no I (laughs) I actually can't. I, that's the limit of my... Uh, I should have known. That's why... Uh, but at any rate, one of the, I found in those chests the little backpack, uh, and I didn't want to wear it because I'm currently... The cosmetic thing I have on my back, I'm really attached to. It's these cool dragon wing things. It's like a holographic dragon wing. I, I'm not about to swap those out uh, for this Dreamcatcher deal. So I looked at it, and something I really, really like about... Guild Wars 2, is at any time when you find a piece of equipment, you can right-click on it and choose Sell at the Trading Post. And it opens the auction house, and it opens the screen to a list of everything in your inventory, and next to it, it shows you how many orders are placed for that item on the auction house, and what the highest bid currently is. So I I looked at that with uh, this little Dreamcatcher backpack thing, and I made 10 gold. I made over the, the same amount of money my character had made up to that point. I made over again by selling this little cosmetic doodad that I found in a chest at the end of a Sanctum Sprint. So Lord. basically what I'm getting at, I got rich through racing, through competitive It's <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh all right, so uh, so Nick, uh, you've been doing the bizarre stuff. Uh, are you at all hooked on these daily uh, achievement things? I am not. I'm not really hooked on them. Like I, I don't. When I play, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I must get my five daily achievements or whatever. Right. Um, but you know, there's there's always like two or three at least every time I log in that. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll wind up getting that no matter what. So yeah, if I you know if I start to see the numbers counting down on the side there, uh, yeah, okay. I might as well go kill a couple extra dudes or go gather a couple onions, even though I don't care about them. <laughs> and do you know what that's doing for you? Uh, that is getting me closer to uh, opening a couple of those chests up at the top. Exactly, improving your self esteem. <laughs> that's true. Well, it, it is a little massage to my ego. <laughs> Uh, if you do all five of them, by the way, and this is where I'm getting hooked, uh, you you get a uh, I think it's a little you get a jug that you can drink that gives you more karma, which is one of the resources you use to buy stuff. I think you get money. You get a one of these coins that goes in the Mystic Forge. And search me if I know what you're supposed to do with those. But in addition, you get a resource called laurels. Uh, is this something either of you guys knows about laurels? You know, I, I just want to interject and say you'll watch a video about jumping puzzles in yes. Guild Wars, but you yes, won't look up coins in the Mystic Forge? <laughs> Here's the deal. I have tried, uh, Master. Here's the deal about the Mystic Forge. The Mystic Forge, first of all, it's mystic, so search me if I can tell you what's going on. It requires a lot of math. Like, what you're supposed to do in the Mystic Forge is take, like, 1,000 of material at Tier 4, and then 
10 of material at tier 3, and then this many pinches of this powder, and then this many mystic coins. And then you activate it, and then you get X number of material 3. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think I gave myself a minor embolism just now describing that. So the mystic coins do things that I don't really understand, and I think a lot of it is in-game stuff when you're grinding for what's called a legendary weapon, and I, I expect I'll probably be able to do that sometime around 2018, I think. Uh, but at this point, I don't think the mystic coins are relevant to me. So that's why I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. So the the laurels, by the way, uh, you know, we can move on from from Guild Wars too. I could talk about this till the cows come home. I I will, by the way, if you're not careful. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh McMaster right, would be so happy with that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm getting. Well, anyway, just to close, the dailies give you something called laurels, and laurels is a new resource. You can only ever earn one laurel a day, and the only way you earn them is by completing dailies. I think if you complete the monthlies, you might also get one. But it's a, it's a it's a new resource that's gated not by just what you do, but by the time played. You can't just you just can't just cat ass for a week and then get a bazillion of them. You'll only ever get seven in any given week. Uh, and they unlock basically a grab bag of powerful equipment specifically for your class uh, at a special vendor. They can also be used to unlock crafting materials. It's just the vendor for laurels is particularly versatile, I, I think. Uh, so that's why I'm doing my dailies, is I, is I really like this idea of laurels. Um, all right, so, uh, Nick, thanks for letting me talk a lot about your game of the week. <laughs> all right. And that was Nick's game of the week. Uh, before we go, Nick, tell me quickly uh, what class you're playing and how far have you have you gotten with him or her? Uh, yeah, still my boring warrior and uh, level thirty-two. Very good, Professor. What class are you playing and how far have you gotten with him or her? Well, I mean, I have a level eighty thief, but I'm also been playing a warrior, and he's like thirty or something. I don't know. When's the last time you booted up Guild Wars Two? Uh, what month is this? Oh, how dare July? you? Oh, um. McMaster, let me ask you another question. When last time you, you booted up World of Warcraft? Um, it's been a couple of weeks, actually. What? Oh, good for you. I'm proud of you, McMaster. Thanks, man. So that means your game of the week is not World of Warcraft? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. All right, what, what do you got for us, then? Oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> My game of the week is League of Legends. Uh, I'm not yeah. joking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing, Master. I, unfor- I well, fortunately, good for you, lucky for you. I won't have much to say about this one. So take it away. <laughs> Tell us about why it's your game of the week. What are you doing with it? Why are you liking it? Uh, what's going on with League of Legends? Well, League of Legends is uh, still going really strong, if not stronger, uh, than it was before. And uh, they've introduced a new game mode that I'm kind of fascinated with, though I am still playing the regular game mode, mostly, uh, called uh, A-R-A-M, or Aram, maybe. No earthly idea if there's some sort of way to say it. But A-R-A-M stands for all random, all mid, and that means you have one giant middle lane, no jungle, and... There are five randomly selected characters per team that play. 
So it's uh, it's kind of interesting because you have no earthly idea who you're going to get. Uh, you get them, and uh, you have like 60 seconds to decide what to do uh, with them, and then um, the game begins. So it can be pretty interesting. They couldn't um, come up with a better name than Aram for this mode. Well, yeah, I thought it stood for a random-ass mode at first, because it just seemed <laughs> that way to me. But uh, it turns out <laughs> it's all random, all mid. Um, but no, the game is uh, is still going really strong in the championship circuit and viewership. Well, wait, real quick, uh, I want to I want to hear more about this mode. So, McMaster, when you describe this mode, part of me thinks, oh, that would be a cool way to force you to play different characters. Uh, that's exactly also, what it is. But also, when you describe it, I think. Like you said, a random ass mode. It just seems like it would be this weird, and especially forcing everyone into one lane. Uh, it, it just seems like it would violate a lot of what makes League of Legends interesting. Like it would undermine a lot of the fundamental gameplay. Well, if you think about it, like when people think of League of Legends and they think of Dota, it's really the map they're thinking of, which is you know uh, that StarCraft map, Aeon Strife, that was. Ported into Warcraft 3 by this guy, Yule, called Dota. Taken. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. Okay, nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, that, that's what everybody thinks of. It's that it's that dynamic of having the two bases and the towers and the the three lanes and all the, the heroes fighting. And they released a three v three map called Twisted Tree Line, which they actually ended up uh, redesigning to make it work a little differently kind of a mixture of Dominion and the uh, classic game. Um, and that's that's pretty different. But uh, ARAM is kind of interesting because it, it they've actually added a couple of items for it, and you don't get to use a few items. But the catch to the mode is that you do not get to buy at just any time. Uh, you have to die before you can purchase stuff once you leave your base. And you can't go back to your base to heal. Oh. So it forces you to fight die. and push forward and die, right? <laughs> uh, and it, but your respawn times are really fast. Uh, you start at level three. Uh, it's just it's a pretty quick mode. Most games take about twenty minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, it forces you to try different characters and learn different things, which I, which I really like. Like uh, I'm always playing different characters because I, I like to see the different uh, mechanics they've put into the game. And is it all, like, what, what, are there up to, like, I think 712 characters at this point? Is it all of them? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's I, you have to own the character, or the character is free that week, or whatever. Uh, I have all of them, so sometimes I get some crazy shit. Uh, that, uh, but the good thing is, you do get two re-rolls, and if you... Well, well, two that you carry over, and if you use them, you have to build points up by playing that mode again a few times. Uh, oh, rerolls for like you get a character. I don't like this character. Give me a different right. one. Like it's like a mulligan, but you have to pay for it. Okay. Right. Yeah, you get two total, and then yeah, once you've used them, you have to uh, build them back up again. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it forces you to try different things. It forces you to work on team fights, really which is interesting to me, because that's, like, to me, one of the, the more difficult parts of the overall game is uh, the, the uh, 
coordination required to do all the different like weird combos and stuff for team fights. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's actually it's it's really neat. Uh, I've been enjoying playing it lately, and uh, and they're uh, always oh, go ahead. What possessed you to get back into League of Legends? Because if I'm not mistaken, this isn't something you've been playing regularly for months or anything. You you at some point consciously decided I'm getting back into League of Legends. What what prompted that? Um, you know, um, I don't know. I wanted to introduce some friends to it because I think it's a pretty good game. I still had most of the characters, as you know, because I do play like every few months at least for for like a while, and um. I don't know, it's just something to do, something that just about anybody can do for free. It doesn't require a pretty good computer. Well, so, I presume you want to... Go ahead, sorry, Nick. Did, so did you buy all these characters? Some of them. Uh, some of, I, I've been like reviewing League of Legends and stuff, like and uh, writing stuff about it since it came out. So they've, I've, I've been given some stuff, don't get me wrong, and you know, going to E3, you get stuff, all that, but... Uh, I bought a lot of them, though. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, and I guess, really, I, I always like to say I, I like to support things that I enjoy. And, now, uh, McMaster, I presume also part of why you're playing League of Legends is to just get in the last few games before it's entirely obsoleted by Dota 2, right? Is yeah. that part of what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. You know, and the thing is, they're such... They're, they're based on the same game, but they're really kind of different games, and I just like League of Legends. All right, Investor, sell me. Here I am. I'm a guy. I've never played a MOBA. What are these? I don't know how they work. Uh, should I play League of Legends or Dota 2? McMaster, help me. What do I do? All right. Well, in uh, League of Legends, you don't have to keep track of your own little dudes. Uh, there's a lot of micro, a lot of micromanagement in Dota 2. Uh, we'll put it that way. Uh, you have to kill their creeps. You have to kill your creeps. Uh, you know, you can kill your own towers. Um, the uh, and and this is such a, a matter of taste. And so many people will disagree with me, but I just like the way League of Legends looks a lot more than Dota Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I as much as I think Dota Two is a really attractive game and it's really cool to watch, I have a harder time playing it because I have a harder time picking out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas but, League of Legends is very bright. You know? Uh, I mean, I know that sounds lame, but it's like, you know, everything's so vibrant and different looking that it's kind of easy for me to pick stuff out. But McMaster, if I play League of Legends, everyone's going to be mean to me, right? <laughs> well, try Dota 2. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, no, that's, that's a bait question because really they have done a lot. Uh, to the community uh, recently, um, they 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 added in these things where, or the Tribune, like about a year ago, maybe two years at this point, where that's one of the uh, new characters, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, what is the Tribune's alt? Uh, it is banning players. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it uh, it's actually a peer review thing. So all these players can log in and do. Uh, these Tribune uh, trials, basically, where you read through a chat log and you read the comments of different players, uh, or the chat log, but, you know, the game's chat, they save them all, um, and it gets submitted. You read over it, and you decide whether someone is guilty or not of the whatever they're uh, claimed 
abuse is. Now, keep in mind, they it has to be, I think, quite a few votes before this happens, like several before it gets to Tribune level. Uh, but, uh, I mean, reports. Uh, and then, basically, uh, characters and even high-level players, uh, fam- kind of famous players, have been banned. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to watch that in action. And there's also another system which gives you like badges for being friendly or helping people learn how to play and all that stuff. So there's a kind of a mixture of uh, reward and uh, fear of punishment uh, that keeps you, most people in line, but some of them are still dicks, you know. So you've you've played before and since the Tribune system. Like, would you say that you can see a difference? Uh, is in terms of that that basic attitude of the player community. Yeah, honestly, I would. Uh, you know, you still get jackasses. Don't get me wrong; they still exist. They always will. Uh, but I get a jackass every four or five games, or fourth or fifth game, instead of every other game, <laughs> which is what it used to be. Basically, McMaster, can you tell us various things that jackasses have said to you in League of Legends? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're also boring. I mean. I guess the one that always cracked me up the most was when they started calling people tryhards. <laughs> what like, is that? Tryhards? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, this one's going to kill you guys. Tryhard was a thing for a while, and it wasn't just League of Legends, it was in other games and some sort of internet thing, but like... What? <laughs> that was like, if you... <laughs> if, if someone was kicking your ass, you would get mad at them and tell them they were trying too hard. That you weren't trying hard. That they were had to try hard to kill you. What? I was always, I was always like, yeah, I'm trying hard. What the? Heck? Why would I play this game and just jack off for like 45 minutes and lose? I mean, honestly, yeah, nobody <laughs> just comes into it. And goes, I'm just gonna be a dick bag and sit here and you know just get killed over. Well, some people have done that, but I mean, on average, that's not the response. So, so the insult was that you, you were winning too hard, because you were actually playing the game and not effing I around. Just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that sense. Was, <laughs> that was one of my personal favorite like things that people would say. So you yeah, what a way to try hard, dude. I can kind of understand that. It's kind of like, haha, you're expending effort. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Oh, fine. I don't care if I died. You're expending well, effort. It's, I don't it's care. It's like yeah, it's a second grader. <laughs> like yeah, who? I don't care. So. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's silly. Um, yeah, those were those were always funny to me. Um, I'm gonna start using that at work. You should. <laughs> Boy, to be a tryhard, dude. Well, you're being a tryhard. <laughs> Your project got approved and mine didn't. <laughs> yeah, I like the most standard though is probably the you don't know how to play. You're stupid. You know, and it's always from people that you're doing better than. Which always kills me. I saw it last night. My friend Matt and I were playing. And Matt was doing okay. We were losing, and we shouldn't have been, because it was terrible. But um, he was doing okay, and this dude had, like, double his deaths and half his kills. And he kept, like, going on and on about how Matt sucked. He was like, you suck. You don't know how what you're doing, you know? And it's just like, all right, man. That's cool. And, you know, it's real easy to mute people. So that is another bonus. <laughs> I I really hate, and I don't want to get too uh, far afield, but I really hate this sense that there's a whole generation of 
kids, and here I sound like a guy telling people to get off my lawn, I guess, but I, I hate there's a whole generation of kids learning sportsmanship from online gaming. Uh, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. To think it's gonna, yeah, it's like we're going to have this lost generation of children. Uh, uh. Yeah, they're just going to be going around screaming try hard at each other. <laughs> noobs! Yeah, uh, dude. Oh, noob is a, noob's a long-standing one. That one still gets banted about quite a bit. I, I've always been uh, impressed by the longevity of the noob. I I like the I like the ones that people make up, and it's very specific to a certain game. But then it gets popular enough that people start using it in other games, like Noob Tube. Oh right, right. That yeah, like oh, you're using the Noob Tube. You're using the Noob Tube, and then I start yeah. seeing it in other games, and it's like. Yeah, there is no new... Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, well, well, toothpaste? They have awesome toothpaste in this game? So, Nick, tell us what a noob tube originally was. Well, I'm, I'm hoping I'm correct at this, but the noob tube, I believe, was in uh, the Call of Duty games where people would just use the law. And it, it, was, right. it was like the bazooka, basically, and they would just pull it out and blast it into a doorway and kill somebody. And now, it's if you use one of the... Uh, like maybe potentially overpowered characters in League of Legends, it's a noob tube. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, and I think the idea is it requires it requires no skill. Like the the point of people deriding someone using a rocket launcher is it doesn't require skill. You don't have to actually aim it. You just hit in the general area, and the splash damage does the work for you. Uh, right. So you're right. It's a very specific complaint that yeah doesn't really apply to anything that's not a rocket launcher that does splash damage. Yeah, I've I've seen it used in uh, StarCraft too. I've seen I've seen people com, you know complain to other people in chat logs or whatever. Oh, that guy was using the noob tube, and and I'm just sitting there like, Wait, what, what noob tube? What do you? What the <laughs> hell is that in StarCraft two? What could you even relate that to? <laughs> uh, I'm, there's nothing tubular that I can think of. Uh, McMaster, so League of Legends cleaned up a bit by the uh, tribunal tri- tribune. What's the system? Tri- tribunes? Tribunes? Yeah. All right. Uh, good. Something like that. I wonder if maybe Florida could look to that for help with their legal system. Oh boy, oh, that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, isn't that kind of what they do? Isn't that what everybody does? Just get some random dudes to come in on vote whether you're legal or whether you're guilty or not based on the uh, evidence. That is pretty much you, absolutely, McMaster. Yeah, you know what? I guess that maybe that's the problem. Is that that is what we're doing? Uh, yes. Yeah. I oh, mean, this is uh, awesome. <laughs> Actually, I want to go on the record. I, I'm not at all derided. I actually uh, should, should we talk about the Trevor Martin thing? Because feel- okay, so we've already we've already kind of ventured into taboo territory with 9/11. No, now we did not. Go into we did not. No, we did not go in there. We we opened we opened the door a crack and we peeked in and then we promptly slammed the door. We're like, no, we're not going in there. But, so, but okay. now we, we've went across the hall to the Trayvon Martin thing. Yeah, let's go in here. The party looks good. <laughs> okay, here's let me relate this. So uh, here in Los Angeles, I think I think this was last night. So we're recording this on a on a Wednesday. I think at some point on Tuesday, um, a bunch of folks went to uh, the sort of the touristy section on Hollywood Boulevard, um, and they basically. It wasn't really a riot because there weren't enough of them. They coordinated, hey, let's show up and let's protest the Trevor Martin uh, decision where George Zimmerman was acquitted. Um, and let's just go there and protest it. And basically their protest consisted of vandalizing places and beating up people. Uh, there was like this minor mob moving through uh, the touristy area of, of, of Hollywood 
last night. Um, and and by the way, for the record, I uh, I'm not one of the like I. I think the legal system worked as it was supposed to, as much as I hate what happened down there, but I'm not one of those people who was like, you know, no justice, no peace. I feel that what happened in Florida with the the Zimmerman case was uh, appropriate, if not sad. Uh, but anyway, so this happened last night where a bunch of people showed up and ran around Hollywood Boulevard breaking stuff. And I was reminded of this while playing my game of the week. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's we're gonna. This is gonna no, make a top good. ten list. I can see this. This is good. I like. Hell of a segue. Oh god. I seriously was reminded of this because I was playing this game and and it, it was just so over the top. It was like a mob. It really was like a minor riot. It was like a cluster of I think it supports up to fifteen players in this ridiculously over the top, just just running around killing stuff riot. And I thought this must be what it was like. You know, without the killing, this must be what it was like uh, in Hollywood last night. So, the, my game of the week, and I think I've chosen it before, but there's nothing new out, and I think we're all doing some duplicates here. My game of the week is Marvel Heroes. And Marvel Heroes has this no. ridiculous, and I've talked about it. I was talking to Nick about it in one of the earlier podcasts. This ridiculous survival mode where 15 players go to a map. It's a map called Limbo, and it randomly spawns in a wave of bad guys. And your 15 superheroes run around the map and kill them. And then a new wave comes in, and then a new wave, and a new wave. And each wave is more powerful than the last and has more units. And you've got 15 players, and you have to stick together. And you're just moving along, and I don't know who's in the lead. I don't know how this mass of players decides which way to go. It's this weird mob mentality, because every now and then, like, some people will peel off one way and some people another way, but you have to stick together or you'll get killed. So at some point, one spl splinter group decides, oh, i got to run over and catch up with this group, and it's this weird... It's not a hive mind because it's not coordinated in any way, but somehow it sticks together and it decides which way to go. Uh, and it's just insane and it's over the top and it's it's all these crazy spell effects going off and who knows what's going on. And you play one of these and you'll easily get one or two levels out of it, by the way. It's a great way to level up, which I think is part of why it's timed. You know, they only run every 30 minutes. The harder ones only run every hour. And then the super hard tier three ones, I think those only run once every two hours. But... It's just ridiculous. And so I was playing this last night, and it was sort of like, what if a group of cosplayers got together and decided to just go wilding? Because uh, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, all the colorful costumes and spell effects. So, anyway, my game of the week, Marvel Heroes. What do you I, guys think I don't, of that? I don't think I've heard wilding in a really long time. Uh, yeah, that, that term didn't really catch on, did it, after that Central Park incident? No, but I guess you can bring it back. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's batting a thousand. Um, I'm considering. It. You know, Nick said that, and I'm sitting here considering that. I might try to revive that. Uh, yeah, make it yours. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so playing, still playing Marvel Heroes, uh, and and like I think you guys' picks. The reason I'm playing it is there's this comfort food element to it. It's just so familiar to me at this point. Uh, I can play it for any good action RPG works this way, but I can sit down and I can play it for five, ten minutes and make some progress and log out. At this point, I have three characters who are up to around level 30. Um, they do this thing where you have rest experience, and the rest experience, I think instead of giving you extra experience, it's just when you play while you've got this rest experience amassed, you have a greater chance of finding 
uh, better items. So what I'll do is I'll log on and I'll play out the rest experience for my Jean Grey. And then I'll do it and I'll play out, you know, next time maybe Wolverine's rest experience and then stop playing. And then Iron Man's rest experience. So I've got these three characters going. Um, I like how they play differently. Like, I like how each one of them has a, a unique sort of feel, partly because of how I have upgraded them with their skills. Like my Jean Grey, she was the first one I played, and I was spending points on a lot of different skills. So there's a lot of variety with how she plays, and I have different options. But as I leveled up my Iron Man and my Wolverine, I was doing it with an eye towards maximizing the effectiveness of one build. So both of those is fairly uniform, but it's really gratifying to just, as Wolverine, just tank stuff. That whole build is about uh, quickly healing himself, recovering health as he fights. So he can stand in front of something super powerful, and as long as he keeps attack, attacking, he keeps uh, healing himself up and getting more health. Um, the Iron Man is all about standing off and doing this super badass repulsor barrage. Um, I just found an item that they added in the latest patch. It's called like the Crystal of Crit Rock or something like that. But in the little flavor text it says this is this is what juggernaut ate to become the juggernaut uh, and what it does is you can use it for its effect to i think get more hit points but you can also slot it into your costume for a visual effect and a lot of artifacts you can sort of just burn them for the visual effect if you don't want to use their normal effect so the visual effect for this juggernaut crystal is it physically makes your character model bigger and I'd seen this before and wondered, how the heck is it that that guy's dude is bigger than my dude? That's not fair. Uh, so now I'm one of those guys running around with like an eight-foot-tall Iron Man, uh, which I really like lording over all the little short six-foot-tall Iron Mans. Um, part of the cool things about playing during the survival mode is uh, you can see all the other players' crazy uh, upper-level spells in action. Actually, that's true of, of any of the, the content you're doing at the higher level, uh, is you'll play the game and you'll see these crazy things happening, and you're like, whoa, how did that happen? I was playing last night with someone who, I don't, I don't know who the Black Panther is, he's one of the characters in, in Marvel Heroes, uh, and he was able to summon these two, like, ninja kung fu chicks who, at, at first I thought they were other players, or I thought they were enemies, but they tag along and they fight with him. He's like a pet class, I guess. He gets two ninja chick sidekicks. Um, uh, you know, you see Cyclops fighting and he has some enormous, crazy red beam that wipes out the whole screen when he gets powerful enough. Uh, Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite to see at work. Again, I have no idea who she is. But, man, she bathed the screen in this awesome, deadly, like, pink and silver and gold light stuff that just kills everything. Uh, you know, you bring a Scarlet Witch along with you who's leveled up sufficiently, and you're just sort of wading around in spell effects, mopping up. Um, so I'm still really digging Marvel Heroes. Has either of you touched that recently? Nope. I have not touched it since that podcast. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, I don't know if you if you know this, McMaster. It's free to play. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I also recently unlocked, and McMaster, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I had a friend over last night who's really into Diablo three. Uh, we played some of that, and with his help, I finally got a character into. Um, help me with the progression, McMaster. It's normal, nightmare. Hell, oh. Inferno? Is that how it goes? I think that's it, yeah. So, 
at normal when you when you find the the special monsters running around, they only have one what's called an affix, a special ability they get. Uh, at nightmare, they get two of them. So, for instance, at normal, you might find some guy. It's called a waller, and he'll put up walls behind you so you can't retreat. No big deal. You're playing on normal. At nightmare you might find someone with two of these special qualities. So you'll fight a monster, and maybe he'll be a waller and a monster, I forget what it's called, who drops turrets. So suddenly now you've got this guy dropping walls so you can't run away. You lose your mobility until you bust through him, and he's dropping turrets that shoot these beams around the map, that sweep around the map, so you can't get away from those. So those two together is a particularly deadly combination. And it's one of the reasons that I feel that when you're playing Diablo, you haven't really tapped into what it does as a game design until you've gotten to those higher levels. So there's furthermore a night uh, hell mode, where creatures can have three affixes, and then finally on Inferno, they can have four. So I just now started playing on Nightmare Mode, and yeah. holy cats, McMaster. So, I, I mean, I love it, but man, it is really challenging. You just now started playing on Nightmare Mode? Yeah, I'd never unlocked anyone. I mean, my highest level characters, she's now, I think, 52, and she just now unlocked Nightmare Mode. So when I took you to the, the Magic Candyland that time and you got murdered, that was probably the hardest thing you've ever played in the game. Yeah, no, I'd never. When you took me there, I, and that's you know, it was cool to see, but I, I straight away realized, oh, I'm I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> this is not. I am not ready for this. Get me out of I here. Have, where's where's yeah, the exit? I'm, I think I'm part way through Inferno with my guy. Well, what Inferno. I love is uh, is going into so you, you know you kill Diablo on. Uh, nightmare mode, and then it's like, hey, now you've got hell mode, go play it. And it dumps you back to that opening, which we all know, we've played it a thousand times, because of either starting a new character class, or starting over on the higher difficulty levels. You have that one zombie that's eating a corpse, and then you've got the two zombies, and you walk down the path, and then you have to help the guys hold back the zombies, and they let you into the first hub, where Leah and Deckard Kane are, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So I get into that, and the first quest is you have to kill these three, uh, I think they're called Wretched Mothers. And they're zombies that vomit, and a new zombie is born out of the vomit. Uh, and so I was doing that quest pretty straightforward, and as you're doing it, you can sometimes there will be cellars you can go down into. These are just optional areas. They're like little modules that, that Diablo 3 can add to mix up what's basically a mostly static level design. Um, so I went down into one of these cellars, and there was a yellow guy there who's one of the special creatures. And I remember his name was something like, you know, Grimlock Deathroot or something like that. He had a name. He was a named yellow. And I was like, oh, i got to kill this guy. Cause yeah, that dude's there, I think, almost every time. Or at least not every time, but uh, I've seen him a few times at least or uh, several times. Just in um, Hell Mode or also in Normal and Nightmare? Mm, I think in all of them. Uh, he's but he's like a, he's real fast. He has little minions and stuff with him. Not this. Guy. Oh no no! Not the little quill shooter guy. Oh, I don't okay. know what you're talking about that little quill. The little porcupine dude is always there. You're right. And that but okay. this was different. This was one of the random yellows. So Grimlock Deathroot was basically one of those tall, hardy zombie things. One of the ones with lots of extra hit points. Uh, but he was yellow, so he was even tougher. And furthermore. And I'd never dealt with this. He had three affixes. He had illusionist, he had reflecting, and he had teleporter. Now, any two of those I'd be used to, I could pretty much easily deal with. But I went down into this little tiny cellar, and there's this yellow guy. And because he's illusionist, suddenly there are ten of him. 
And because he's doing reflecting damage, I have to watch for when he has that little pulsy effect at his feet, because then I'll take some of the damage I do to him. So ideally, that's when you don't want to attack him. And then finally, because he's teleporter, he can zap random places around the map, which makes it even harder for me to evade him. Ugh. It was just a best get. You go, ugh. But suddenly, here I am playing Diablo, and I'm presented with this really cool, but optional, I can just go around it if I want, tactical challenge. You know, how do I deal... People people make fun of Diablo unfairly for being just click, 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 click. And at normal level, when you're just dealing with the basic content, that's true. But where Diablo really comes into its own is when it presents you with this kind of tactical challenge. And part of what I really admire about the design of Diablo 3 is that it encourages you to, if it's too difficult, back off, change your skill loadout, and then try a new approach. And I love that kind of tactical interplay. My character's skills, it's not a single frozen build, which is the case with Marvel Heroes, with a game like Torchlight, uh, with most action RPGs, in fact. Uh, Guild Wars, by the way, is also like this, where you can freely rebuild your character. But what Diablo 3 encourages you is to create a new tactical build to interact with whatever monster you're facing. And once you're dealing with three affixes on these really tough monsters, I feel that model is really coming into its own. Um, So I really enjoyed rediscovering that last night in Diablo 3, but after a while, that kind of noise that Nick made, that kind of kicked in, and I just wanted to go play Marvel Heroes and and just do this cosplay wilding thing. (laughs) So, All right, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, and it just gets worse as the difficulty levels go up, so. Worse or better? Oh, now four, and four is not good either. (laughs) If you didn't like three. (laughs) Right, but that's the point, is I do like three. Like, I do feel that that's, you know, it's really forcing you to to push different parts of the gameplay that you don't really have to deal with before that point so much. Yeah. so, because for instance, I would you know playing through uh, normal and uh, nightmare mode, I pretty much just had okay, I like this build, I'm just going to play with this. And every now and then, like when we fought Diablo, I had to change the build and, and rearrange it and try something different. But but on normal and I think to a certain extent nightmare mode, you just pick your favorite build and you go with it. I get the sense, and I'm not a power player, you know, I don't know a lot of, I, I don't min max a lot, but I get the sense for a guy like me playing on. Nightmare and certainly later on Inferno mode, it's going to require a lot of backing off and adjustment. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, well. I mean, you'll explore the dying and coming back to life system quite a bit. We'll put it right. that way. <laughs> I would not want to be there on hardcore mode. Let me just say that. Oh no, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, awful. All right, so there we go. Those are our games of the week. Uh, there's our uh, news of the week. Um, Kind of. When's the next big release? Do we know? Do we Isn't care? There something this month? No, not in July. Who releases games in July, McMaster? That's crazy. Crazy talk. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Well, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm perfectly happy to explain Guild Wars Two lore to you on successive podcasts until Saints Row Four comes out. What do you think of that? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Let's not forget Grand Theft Auto Five's coming out in a couple of months. So. That's, yeah, that's uh-huh. September, the, the distant time of September in the murky future. Yes. Uh, it is a ways off, admittedly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm on a uh, sort of a self-imposed 
press blackout. Like, I didn't watch that trailer. I know a new trailer came out. I accidentally discovered something about the gameplay that I was like, oh, I didn't want to know that. I would have loved to have discovered that. But I blissfully know absolutely nothing, almost absolutely nothing about uh, Grand Theft Auto V. Uh-oh. You guys are uh-oh. like that, right? What do you mean, uh-oh? Don't uh-oh. go, uh-oh. Smurfs 2 is coming out next week. Smurfs the movie video game. Oh, the game. Yeah, I'm really excited, actually. Because, as we mentioned before, sequels tend to be better than the earlier games. So what you're saying right. after Give Smurfs 2 a chance is probably pretty oh, good. Oh, it's probably yeah, great. There is. There's one that may have slipped, uh, uh, Payday 2. Next no, month. that's next month. What do you mean it slipped? It's not next month anymore? No, no, it is, but that, that may have slipped your mind. It comes out before Saints Row 4. Oh, right, slipped my mind. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Payday 2, definitely. Oh, Master, when can we play that? I don't know. All right. It's August 13th, I think. Yeah. Hey, it's the day before my birthday. I will consider it a birthday present. Thank you, uh, Overkill. Is that the name of the Swedish studio? Thank you, Overkill, for my birthday present of Payday 2. Kindness. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, so uh, thanks for joining us, listeners, for this week's podcast. Uh, we uh, hope you will join us all in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> um, Yay! <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, so thanks for listening and we will see everyone here uh, next week Uh, tune in then also by the way I've been remiss in bringing this up Uh, please 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 rate us on iTunes we love it when you do that Uh, if you are shopping on Amazon during this busy holiday during this busy shopping season of July and August please buy your stuff through the Amazon.com search box on the front page of quarter to three we also have a uh, donation button Uh, we appreciate when that's used that's very cool or alternatively, just tell your friends about our podcast. We uh, we get by on your word of mouth. So uh, join us next week, uh, and thanks for being here this week. McMaster, name this song. I mean, just from scratch? Okay, it's Bill. Bill Smithers. <laughs> the song is Bill Smithers from now on. Master, the correct answer was Peace Frog. Yeah, by little Jimmy Morrison.